Hi, I'm Celine Gabrielle. And I'm JG Sackis. This is Art. Okay, cool. A podcast about life as an artist, specifically an emerging artist. The ins and outs, the ups and downs, the day-to-day behind-the-scenes stuff. The good, the bad, and everything else in between. All right, let's go. Hello, Celine. Hello, Jade. How it's are you? It's so good to hear you. I know. This is nice. Yeah. How are you? Wait, wait, wait. Before we get started, I want to do the whole I want to do the whole spiel for everybody. Listen, before we get started, we're doing our book club today and it's going to be great. Um, but I want to remind everybody that the goal of our podcast is to build community and help our fellow emerging artists. That's you if you're listening, I think. Um, so we have so much good stuff coming and we really would just love for you guys to share the podcast, subscribe, review us, let us know what you're thinking, let us know what you want to hear about. We're here for you. Exactly. <laughs> so with that said, the book we're doing today is The Complete Smartest Guide by Ekaterina Popova and Alicia Puig. But before we go deep into the book, Jade... What's been going on with you? Oh, my God. What hasn't been going on with me? Uh, I can't wait to hear. Okay, go. Dive in deep. Let's I mean, go. I, I went to Portugal, which was, like, really lovely and nice. Um, so I was, you know, in a different country on a different continent for a while. Um, all the while getting everything together for my artist residency that at the time of recording starts in, like, four days. Um Okay, wait, 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 wait. So tell me more, like, when you say getting ready, like, I want details. So, well, first of all, Portugal, amazing. Like, I'm so jealous. I bet that was beautiful. But back to the art stuff. So, like, what does that mean, getting ready? So it's been, like, it's been a bit of an adjustment. So I had to do, like, all kinds of training and stuff like that. I was doing it remotely. Um, I went into the studio to have, like, my first little studio tour, which was great. But now it's, like, brass tacks get down to it. Because before... I'm, my residency is at the Living Arts Center in Mississauga, which has just recently been kind of absorbed by the city of Mississauga. So before it was a standalone institution. Now it's run by the city, which means everything is like very by the books. Um, okay. I kind of thought that maybe I would be able to borrow some of their tools because typically glass studios will have like a student set for when they teach workshops and stuff like that. And in the past, because I don't have a complete set of tools, I've been able to fill in the blanks with those studio tools. But now that it's run by the city, um, I have to fill in the blanks for my toolkit very quickly. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to blow glass. So what that means is, one, I have a ton of like searching to do. And two, I'm just like hemorrhaging cash, just like cash is like shooting out of my body um at at an alarming (laughs) rate so (laughs) not in a good way not in a good way um which means I also need to get really on top of all of my grants and grant applications so I am researching all of the tools and materials that I need I am reaching out like trying to utilize every aspect every arm of my community to get a hold of like some secondhand tools um just organizing 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 and I actually um I found I found pipes in 
pipes and punties, which are the essential glass blowing tools. I found some in the city from a retired artist who is just like, oh my God, it was, it was amazing. She, um, she had everything I needed and more, like couldn't have asked for a better scenario, uh, gave me a great deal. And it just like, it was one of those like weird alignment moments because her work um, was about kind of like Persephone and like Greek gods and myth and glass and all of that. And I'm doing stuff that's about like worship, religion, theology, all of that. And we had such an amazing chat. It was like, okay, not only did I get an amazing deal on these tools, but like, I, I just feel like I feel good about it. Like the art that she was making and the art that I make are aligned and are like, now the tools are aligned and they get to have like their second life with me. Yeah. So it's like a good omen, like good vibes moving from yeah. one to the next. Right. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. Okay. So, so exciting. Let me ask you one more thing and we don't have to include this in the podcast if you're uncomfortable, but in the, um, you know, we're trying to keep it like transparent and honest. So like, what would you have paid for that stuff? Cause I'm not from that world. So like, if you're comfortable, like what is getting setting up costing you? Oh my God. So much money. So in the glass world, um, the cheapest that I could find to buy tools brand new, there was a set of a pipe and a punty. Um, and you can basically only get them in the States. Uh, so you have to think about duties. You have to think about import. You have to think about shipping. The best deal that I could possibly find without accounting for the duties that I was going to have to pay was about $1,000 for two pipes and two punties. Wow. Yeah. And so that's like, basically, it's like, those those are my paintbrushes, right? Right. So, yeah. Uh, um. You know, you, you can't you can't do you can't do the job without them. And this woman that I got in touch with just through like my glass blowing network, um, she ended up selling me three punties in various sizes. So there's like an extra small, a standard, and then like an extra large, and okay. then five pipes yeah. for just under a thousand dollars. So just under what I would have paid for two uh, right. two and two. Of like the most basic, small, nothing ones. That's awesome. I'm so yeah. glad. How did you find her anyway? So um, I reached out to my old studio head. He kind of has like an email chain, like a, a forward list that he puts out announcements and calls through. And I just got in touch with him and I was like, would you be able to, you know, put some put some feelers out for me? And he sent out the email to his list and a couple of people got back to me. Oh, that's so nice. See, connection yeah. community, it helps out. Yeah, be, you just like be kind to everybody. You never know. There you go. Okay, so you're getting your tools ready. And then what? Like what's next now? So I need to hear back from when I'm going to move into the studio to get all my stuff there, which is going to be like bononos. And um, then I will have scheduled time to blow glass. But I'm also... I don't know if I should save this for the next episode, but I'm going to Seattle in October as well. What? Okay, I haven't <laughs> talked to you. What the heck is going on? What's in Seattle? So one of my best friends in the whole wide world, Megan, is in Seattle, but she works for um, Pilchuck Glass School, 
which is like a huge, huge, huge facility in the States and in the glass community. And every single year they have um, an auction to help support programming. Yeah. And my friend Megan uh, is one of the coordinators to do like install, like set up and tear down. And she's like, hey, do you want to come and visit me? I can hook you up and you can help do set up and tear down and we can go to this auction and you can meet my baby. And it just so happened that I had enough like airline miles from my credit card that I could afford to go. I think my flight ended up costing me less than a hundred dollars. Um, and I have a place to stay. I have a friend to hang out with. I get to do cool glass things and I have a piece in the auction. So I'll Yay! get to interact with people if they're interested in the piece. Oh, that's so nice. I'm so excited for you. That's fun. When's the last time you got to see your friend too? Oh my goodness. Um, so heartbreaking. Maybe 2017, I think. Oh, yeah, this is so good. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I'm so happy for you. Thank so one you. More, one more question back to your residency. So when you're in there, actually doing the residency, are you there every day? Or does it depend on like you mentioned when you get scheduled? So COVID makes things a little bit different, obviously. Um, it'll be mostly just when I'm scheduled, but I would have access to the, the facility from seven till midnight every day. Okay. Um, if it wasn't, but blow slots are always scheduled because it's a huge, um, it's a huge resource. It's very expensive to run the studio. So I have four, six hour slots a month at my disposal and they're scheduled for us. Okay. I'm like, we're going deep. I'm sorry. I just find this no, really please. interesting because it's like not my world. So when you have your time scheduled, I love I think this is so fascinating because you know a lot of people talk about oh well I just do it when I'm inspired or whatever but you literally don't have that option like if your time is scheduled you have to you have to yeah. use it right so how do you prep for that like you must know that it's coming and then like spend some time obviously planning what you're going to do right so you don't waste this time is that how you do yeah. it well, yeah. So you want to have on, on the best of days, you want to have a pretty solid plan of what you want to accomplish for the day. Um, and, you know, you also, if you're kind of being kind to yourself and thinking about feeding your practice, you do want to have days where you go in without a plan and just experiment. But for the most part, that time is so valuable. You really want to know what you're doing before you get there. And then you just kind of have to honestly hope for the best because if you go on a day where like you spilled your coffee you dropped your yogurt you stubbed your toe the bus left without you and you show up to the studio like sometimes there's just nothing you can do to get yourself out of that funk and like you just break piece after piece after piece after piece so it's yeah it's kind of do or die and for me when I'm in that position what I try to do is also have things that I can accomplish on my worst days, like things that are foolproof, easy, straightforward. It doesn't matter if I break them, if I, but if I get, if I get a handful of them done that day, the day won't have been wasted. Cool. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Another thing when you're talking about a breaking thing and or, breaking things, which I'm sure obviously will happen. And then, um, experimenting. So like, 
is glass like so if you break something is it garbage or can you like melt it back down and reuse the glass or what happens there so you can recycle some of the glass and different studios have different standards um for studios that do a lot of recycling where the quality of the glass isn't a big concern they will recycle everything except for um like blue colors so like purple blues and blacks because most of the other colors will burn out at the furnace temperature Um, but for studios where the quality of glass is a really big concern where they want to make sure that it's very crystal clear glass every time um, you only recycle clear and you need to be very careful that when you're recycling it there's no um, there's no like iron oxide from your pipe included in it because sometimes the iron from your pipe will fleck off into the glass and that could tint the pot a little bit okay so that's okay cool and then like so what about experimenting so if you're experimenting you're not going to be like oh i'm only going to experiment with clear clear glass so then if you make something and you hate it that is just waste because you've used blue and black or whatever like yeah um and yeah it's basically waste and i think that depending on the studios around you um, and what glass they're using, because glass isn't compatible with itself. Like you have to, certain brands have certain qualities that don't mesh well. So I think in the past, um, the Living Arts Center and Sheridan College, their glass studio probably used the same glass. So the Living Arts Center could donate their glass to Sheridan. And in the case of Sheridan, they have one furnace, a casting furnace that's just all blue glass because they'll put they'll sort out all of the clear and then put everything else into the one big casting pot and it turns everything blue. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah, stuff I never would have thought of or yeah, I'm sure there's like a thousand and one more things that I don't know. Oh my God, yeah, glass just... chemistry, color chemistry. It's like, yeah, it's deep. that's so cool. Okay, all right, anything else? before I no, do tell me about you. podcast about glass <laughs> tell me about you <laughs> um okay so well I'm still getting ready for my big art fair in New York trip so that last week was just pure chaos because I I didn't have as much work for the show as I needed. So I've been like hustling to try to complete works, but I'm a mom. And I mean, it's a crazy, amazing opportunity. My daughter um, was accepted to a professional training ballet school, but it's in Ontario. I'm in Nova Scotia. And so I had to move her up there. So I like lost, I lost a week of making work, but obviously that was amazing opportunity to be able to take her and get her settled in and all that good stuff. But Anyway, so I was painting and the paint is oil. And so it takes a while to dry, but before, so they need to be dry because I'm driving to New York. So I need to put them in the the car and stack them up. Mm -hmm. They have to be really dry, but even more so before that, I have them all um, professionally photographed so that I can then make prints of them because if it sells, I'll never have that opportunity again. So not only was I rushing to get them finished, but I had to get them finished like really before schedule because they had to dry. And then I have to take them to Halifax to get photographed. And then I'm going to have to go back, pick them up, pack them, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, last week was like insane. 
um, to try to get things done and dry. And I probably, I mean, they're dry, but anyway, long, yeah, no, I'm not going to get into the details (laughs) of that. And then I'm just doing all the paperwork. Like you just recently traveled. So you probably know, like just getting the vaccine records and getting all the documentation. This is a little bit different because it's not a pleasure. uh, It's a business thing. Right. So, and I'm, and I'm bringing art into a different country to sell. So there's like, yeah, there's like importing stuff and things like that, that I have to get um, sorted. I've never, I've traveled before with my art, but always within Canada. So this will be the first time bringing it into a different country. And so I'm just like, hoping I have all the right documentation, hoping I have a nice border agent person, hoping that everything goes smoothly because that's kind of weighing on my mind, having never done it before, but people do it all the time, right? Like it's not like it's never been done or whatever. So it's doable. It's just, you know, first time with everything is a little bit iffy anyway. Um, actually when this podcast comes out, I'll be there. So the fair is going from September 30th until October 3rd. So anybody in New York city, hit me up on Instagram. If you want to find out where I am and come see me or just come to the fair, there's going to be tons of, um, art. So if you love art, come to the fair and see everybody's work. Um, yeah, so that's that. And then what's the other thing? Yeah. So the other cool thing, that are things that I've been doing back to our podcast. Was it last week that we did interviews or recently we did interviews and then boom, I had like two podcast interviews. Two huge podcast interviews. I know. Oh yeah. And then we also did putting it out there, right? Talk. So he, yeah. this, I'm going to, cause how did, how did this happen? How did all of this happen? Yeah. So this is, this is where it's really cool. So the first one that I was featured on was the artist business plan and that's run by the guys at Superfine. So they, um, they're just trying to encourage artists in any way they can. So even if it's not through the fair, they have this podcast, which much like Jade and I are trying to do and share information. They have all kinds of experts and people who um, are living and working in the art world, sharing their tips and ideas. But recently they've been running this little ad like, hey, if you want to be a part and have an opportunity to be on the podcast, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, oh, I took that as a signal. Okay, let me reach out to them and say, hey, I'm one of your exhibitors. I'd like to be on your podcast. (laughs) So I just emailed them and told them that and they said, okay. And so they put me on um, one of their art inspiration episodes and that was a lot of fun. Um, They're both very personable. Like, I feel like I've chatted with them a couple of times. I haven't been a part of their show, but just like in, in preparation or with like questions, they're both very personable. Yeah. So it's Alex and James and I spoke with James Yes. And um, yeah, so they just, they do a good job. They keep them really short. Like they do their podcast like 30 minutes. And so they really send you like three questions and it's very focused on that. And so anyway, we recorded that and that came out. And so that's really cool. That was super fun. But then I don't know, like this next opportunity just came, like I was, just carrying on and then I get a message in my Instagram from Danielle the jealous curator and she's like hey would you ever come on the jealous curator podcast oh my god and you're like no I'm too busy yeah (laughs) (laughs) so that 
podcast, if you guys don't know that one, which where have you been under a rock? But anyway, Danielle's been doing the podcast for a long time and she has interviewed like so many amazing living artists, so many people that I look up to and admire their art and their careers. And anyway, so to be on that podcast, because I feel like most of her people that she interviews are very well established and I'm still like or at least in my mind it depends I I guess it's the whole comparison thing right but I try not to compare myself to others but to myself I feel like I'm still at the very beginning like hopefully this is going to be a long career and I have miles and miles to go so in in listening to the podcast and hearing the long histories of a lot of the people that she interviews compared to my relatively short history it was just yeah really kind of surprising but I was so honored anyway and then she's Canadian I'm Canadian we're like the same age she has a child the same age as well anyway there was just so many weird like overlaps in our lives even though she lived in a totally different part of Canada that it was such a just a fun conversation and it wound up being she told me it was the longest podcast she's ever recorded I'm like oh Oh my my God. god I know, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. She's like, stop saying that. You're such a Canadian. Stop apologizing. <laughs> it's fine. People love the long episodes. I was like, okay, well, you know your audience. And she's like, yeah, they email me all the time saying, I wish it was longer because we listen in the studio and yada, yada. So anyway, if you're looking for a two-hour-long conversational podcast, go check out episode, I think it was 212. It's my name, Celine Gabrielle. It was the most recent one that just came out. So Anywho, that was that. And that was so much fun. And then, of course, she promoted it yesterday. And so my Instagram was blowing up and tons of new followers and people reaching out and and saying they enjoyed it. So that was, yeah, that was super fun, super nice. Yeah, loved it. So that was that. And then the last thing that I want to tell you guys about, because this is also very exciting to me, is the Salt Springs National Art Prize open so they've been talking about it for a while but on september 24th they like show all of the art that was selected as finalists and then now i'm not out there in bc but i was looking at the roster of events like there's tons of art stuff so if you're in bc and you can get to salt springs i would suggest going checking out some of the events around this um show and then it go there's awards obviously that go along with it because it's called an art prize but they don't give out the awards until october 25th so right now it's just showing the work and then october 25th they'll announce like all the prizes and there's a bunch of them and it's really interesting because they have like different jurors different curators like picking different prize winners so yeah yeah it's like across the board but then there's also a people's choice hint hint which the general public can vote for (laughs) do it do it so if anybody is so inclined you can just go google the salt springs national art prize and i'll put it in the show notes and you can vote for me or whoever you want to vote for but preferably me (laughs) anyway um yeah so that's kind of cool and i'm excited to just see the outcome and just follow along with all the events and watch what they're posting online and stuff. It's pretty cool. So there you go. That's a lot right now, but that's everything I think. Amazing. Should we get into this book? Let's get into the book. 
Okay, so let's get into this book. I am going to read the back of the book for everybody so we can get a sense of what we're getting into. Okay, here we go. This is the book with all of the practical information about how to actually make a career in the arts that you never learned in art school. The Complete Smartest Guide by artist and Create Magazine founder Ekaterina Popova and curator and gallery director of PXP Contemporary Alicia Puig is packed with tips, hints, and actionable steps from our personal experiences working in the art world. We discuss not only business tactics, sales strategies, and how to promote your online and in-person, oops, your art online and in-person, but also applicable information about how to deal with creative burnout, overcome imposter syndrome, and avoid the comparison game. Awesome. Okay. So this is a big, hefty, substantial book. There's like over 300 pages. Jam-packed full every page. Yes. So what Jade and I decided to do is that there's no way we could go through every single topic. So instead, she and I both chose some of our favorites. And we're going to dive a little deeper into those for the podcast. And then encourage you guys to pick up the book, obviously, if you want all of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's dive in. Do you want to start with one of your favorites? Okay. So we're going to start. Sure. Let's start with one of mine, which is how to price your work. And that is on page 54. So the reason I chose this one is because when I was starting out, it was one that I really struggled with and um, spent a lot of time researching and trying to figure out just how to do it. So that's why I wanted to, yeah, try to like go through what they have to say and give our, give our opinions. What did you think about this topic, Jade? So, I mean, I feel like this is something that all artists struggle with, um, especially when you're starting out, especially when you don't necessarily have a clear and direct framework. Um, I thought a lot of the tips that they gave in the book were pretty good and they also reference um, a couple of different styles for how to price your art. Um, one of the critiques that I have of the book isn't even necessarily a critique, but it is very like drawing and painting centric. Um, so I was actually curious, I was going to ask you how you feel about one of their suggestions, which was pricing your work by the square inch. Because that's obviously not something that I could do. I don't even know how I would calculate the surface area of my work. Um, but for somebody who does more two-dimensional stuff, I feel like that's a really interesting way to go about it. Yeah, it's so interesting that you constantly bring this up. Because now that I know you and the type of work that you make, it's so interesting that books and articles and stuff are really focused on that, right? Like drawing and painting <laughs> and not always focused on like sculptural type work right or 3d stuff so yeah it's so interesting so okay I because I didn't know what to do and because I didn't have a community or a network to ask I just started googling right and so I did see that formula the whole pricing per square inch back when I was trying to figure it out and it it did seem like a good place to start because I could wrap my head around it. Like I could see that it would be related to size and then it would be also related to time because obviously a larger piece is going to take more time than a smaller piece and this and that. But 
Um, okay, so I'm going to tell you a specific story. So the very first piece that I um, sort of offered to the world was in the way of a local gallery that had an open call and sort of submitted and it was accepted. So when I brought the painting to the gallery for the show, they asked me, what price do you want to put on it? And I said, I don't know. What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) And I think that was a bad idea. So (laughs) what what happened was I really, I just didn't spend enough time at that point thinking about all of the things that go into my work and I didn't do enough research as to like comparable work and things like that. So anyway, they, they gave me a price comparing it to other works that they had in their gallery. And then they took 50% on top of that. Right. So I really, after that experience, I thought it was very low. And even though it sold, I barely got anything from it because after they took they priced it too low in my opinion they sold it which was great but then I also only got half so I actually felt kind of shit I felt I felt happy that I made the piece that it got accepted and that it sold and actually the the person who bought it is I just love her she's she's stayed in contact with me and I'm so happy that she bought it and for her the other interesting thing is she was a student when she bought it and it was a big chunk of money as a student to invest in original art and so I'm so amazed that she and I was like an unknown artist you know never done and she supported me and so I'm thankful for her I'm thankful for the gallery and all that but ultimately I didn't feel good do you know what I mean and they do talk a little bit about that in the book is that um you need to find a price that not only fits this whole hourly wage and cost of materials and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, if you don't feel good and comfortable and proud and happy, then that's a problem. So immediately after that experience is when I really dove into like, okay, clearly somebody wants to buy my work. So if I'm going to be selling it, it has to be a win-win. Like they have to feel good about it, but I have to feel good about it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I just wanted to bring that up because I feel like a lot of these um, structures or formulas are good to a certain extent, but back to your scenario, doesn't necessarily work if it's not, you know, a flat surface doing per square inch or all of the other things that factor into, you know, you're just like at this point now, every time I, I don't have a lot of inventory because when I paint things, I sell them. So it's demand, right? Yeah. So there's that to factor in. So I think, yeah, I think it's such a complicated thing. And I think you just have to be constantly reevaluating basically. Yeah. I feel like your pricing has to be dynamic. And I think these formulas <clears throat> that you can find that they reference in the book um, can be really helpful. I don't think they account for, everything but if you do the formula if whether you're doing like um materials time doubled for wholesale double again for retail or you know there's one from sachi art that i think is also pretty effective um do the formula see what happens like see what that number is and then figure out how it relates to what your comfort level is um and the other thing i will say is about paying yourself an hourly hourly wage 
And the number they use is 15 American dollars. And I'm, I am telepathically looking all of you straight in your eyeballs right now. You need to pay yourself more than $15 an hour. Um, you need to pay yourself more than minimum wage. Um, you got to pay yourself at least 20 bucks an hour. If you, if you are alive and well in 2021 and you are living a life, it's, it, I can almost guarantee you it costs more than $20 an hour to live your life. So no matter how you, whatever calculations you use, whatever, you know, system you do to figure out your work, you have to start paying yourself at least $20 an hour, full stop. You have to be making a living wage. You have to. Yeah, I agree. What else did you want to say about this one? Um, let's see. I feel like we covered most of it. Um, I think it's a really strong section and it's always going to be something that is changing. Um, the other thing to do is you want to evaluate, like value your work appropriately, but try not to overshoot at the same time. Um, and this is, this is hard. I feel like you are maybe an exception to the rule. Where, you know, you kind of came out of the gate, like, guns blazing, you're making gallery quality, top of the line art, it's, like, resolved, it's finished, it looks good, like, 10 out of 10, your response is great, you can, you're charging what you should be charging, and maybe at this point even a little bit less. Um, so that's, you know, you're, you're, you would be the exception to my opinion. Um, whereas like for me, the work that I put out, not that I don't love it and not that it's not great, but I know that it's not where I want it to be um, quality or execution wise. And that's just because I'm using a lot of new processes. I'm kind of like innovating the ways that I'm putting things together. So when I first debuted this work before the pandemic, I was comfortable putting it a little lower than what I wanted to get for it. One, because I was selling it independently. And two, I really wanted it to get out into the world and into people's homes. Right. Yes. And then, you know what? I'm just going to piggyback on that a little bit because, I mean, I don't know. I feel like we all, hopefully we love our work and that's why we're putting it out into the world and sharing it with people because we think it's great and we hope other people are going to think it's great but not I mean I don't know like I guess you have to be honest and one of the things I talk about in the book too is like talking to people who maybe aren't your friends you know or people who love you if they have some knowledge about art or art buying even better but like you got to kind of figure out if people are interested in buying what you're selling a little bit. Like, yeah. And sometimes there is like, you were just saying, like, sometimes we can recognize in ourselves, like, okay, maybe I need to take a drawing class because my proportions are off or maybe I like that they're off and I'm going to play into that. Like you need to decide the quality and what you're trying to go for. But if you're feeling like, you know, there is some improvement to be made there to get to where you want the work to be, then price accordingly. Does that make sense? Yeah. And like, there's no, there's no shame in selling your experiments either. And like, 
you you can you can sell your seconds you can sell all of these things like you don't have to be not everything you sell has to be a masterpiece and right. the prices can fluctuate based on that fact agreed yep 100 percent. okay next right. yeah let's do one of yours okay let's scroll down here so they they talk about collectors in this section and how to like make those connections and facilitate um, those types of connections. Um, and this is something for me that I'm kind of just starting to figure out on on my own as well. What about you? Yeah, I'm still I'm still figuring this out. Except, so I've sold enough at this point that I see patterns. Like I see the people who are buying my work tend to be similar and I've noticed a little bit because I've done some um Instagram ads when I have mm-hmm. like a new piece I'll I'll do a little promotional ad and I'm seeing who's like liking com- like because they give you the the feedback right yeah the demographics and everything right so typically I'm like 75% women 75% um well 75% so those women typically tend to be well think about it like look at my work it's colorful it's bright it's bold it's stylized it's fashion it's pop culture it's those things so those are what my buyers are interested in and those are the type of people that are buying the work which obviously like that's my turn that's who I'm speaking to they speak my language right we're on the same yeah we're on the same page and then I would say 25% would be men and they're also interested in those other things like pop culture fashion da 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 um But yeah, I think primarily I've been painting women. And so it appeals. I mean, obviously women appeal to men too, but I don't know. Like for some reason, I've just had more draw with women than I have with men. Although, you know, the men are there and starting to come a little bit more, I'm I'm finding. So I would also speculate that that's because I think men, people who are like identified as men or whatever, they also use social media differently because I have a very small like men slice of the pie on there as well. And I think that's because Mm. typically I think, I don't know. I feel like women are more engaged with art on social media. If I had to guess, maybe. So that's interesting, right? Like, so that actually sort of leads into my other note here, how I was saying that, um, because I'm not working with galleries, I'll never say never, but right now I'm not. I'm doing all direct sales um, through my website and through Instagram or art fairs, like in person. So I get to see who my buyers are and I get to get that information because they're coming directly to me. Whereas if I didn't get to meet them and talk to them and connect with them and they, it was all through a gallery, I mean, I might get some feedback from the gallery owners or whatever, but it's it's kind of cool, I think, to be able to make those connections and actually talk to my buyers. I really yeah, like definitely. that. Because it gives me more information to go from. Like I can see what they look like and usually they'll follow me on social media and I can like see their social, you know, if they're not private, I see their social media and the type of things and it's all it's all an opportunity for me to gather information about who likes my work, which is pretty, I just think it's cool. Yeah. Um, Another thing that I thought was really useful about this chapter is on, or this section, I guess, is on page 187. Um, They give you some prompts 
to uh, just like how to respond to clients. Um, And this is something that we talk about throughout the podcast over and over again, is just being prepared. And I think that having some of these in your back pocket or practicing some of these um, responses that they have here are, are really great. These are, these are some really great examples. Yeah, I agree. Like, again, you know, before I had ever sold anything, if I was talking to the first person who wanted to buy from me, these would have been like, (laughs) so helpful. So yeah, I think that was a nice way that they broke that down. Yeah. Another thing that I zeroed in on in this chapter was talking about referrals. So they, their, their words exactly. I never underestimate the power of referrals. And I think that is interesting too, because your art in somebody's home is basically like a billboard for you, right? Like if it engages with their friends, their family, they're going to say, Oh, I got that from Jade. I got that from Celine. Here's her Instagram. Here's her website. Right. And that, that now has started to happen to me a little bit. Like somebody will see something at a home, they'll tell their friend, and then their friend comes over too, because well, if you think about it again, like back to my scenario of the women um, who are interested in certain lifestyle and this and that, well, clearly probably their friends will be too. Right. So it, it's a cool, it's a cool way. And almost tapping back into the last one about pricing, like, you do want to sell your work. Like if you price it so high that nobody buys it, especially when you're brand new, you're, you're not having the opportunity to then spread your art to more people that you never would have had access to. Whereas if it's in people's home, then it's, you know, like it's sharing and promoting your work and then you can get referrals from that. So, okay, let's talk about the alternatives to the gallery system. One second. Let me just have a slurp of my coffee. Go for it. Okay. Good? Yep. Okay. So alternatives to the gallery system. I love this because it just meshes with my mindset. I don't know. I especially during the pandemic, I think that everybody has reevaluated everything. And I think the art world did the same and galleries the same. Like, um, I mean, I have nothing against galleries. You want gallery representation. You are a gallery. Cool. No worries. But for me personally, I think where I live, I don't have access to very many galleries to Mm -hmm. be quite frank. Um, I don't actually know how to like find galleries and areas without being there. Like I have tried online a little bit, but before working with a gallery, I think you need to know if you you're a good fit and I'd like to like get to know the gallery a little bit. And so I just haven't actively pursued that. So by default, I've done the whole alternatives to the gallery system. So I also feel like with social media and online websites and online fairs even um online galleries like Sachi and things like that there are opportunities to you know not have to be tied to a gallery necessarily yeah I think that landscape is really shifting it's been shifting for you know the last little while especially with the advent of 
art and social media pairing so well together. Um, I like the idea of having gallery representation, but here's the caveat for me. The whole point of the gallery system and them taking 50% is the idea that they are doing 50% of the work. So they are using their clients list. They're really selling your work. They're promoting it. They're showing it. They're lighting it in the best way possible. They're creating a buzz around it. Um, and I, I find that it's hard to find a gallery, at least at this level or my level or the level of like a lot of my peers, it's hard to find a gallery that's doing that kind of work for you. That's really working for that 50%. Because a lot of galleries are just, you know, throwing yourself up, throwing your stuff up in their space and whatever happens, happens, you know? Yeah. And I guess that's my sort of, not sort of, that is my concern. Um, and my experience, not, I haven't so, so far, except for that one little story I told you, that's the only time I ever showed anything in a gallery that one time. Um, yeah, well, and then I had a sh like some public stuff, but not like a, a retail gallery. So, um, actually that's not true either. Oh my God. I'm like, but eating my, putting my foot in my mouth. Okay. So let me, let me say this though. Okay, so you you and I have both shown in galleries. It hasn't. It's not as if we have gallery representation at this point, and I think that that is where things kind of divide. So if you get a call for a show and your work is up in a gallery, you'll typically have to pay them X amount of whatever the sale is, and that's like those kind of one-off situations. I find, or I feel maybe, uh, bear a little less fruit. I think where having where working with a gallery comes in handy is when it is a representation situation. This gallery is representing your art. Maybe they have exclusive rights to your art in a city or within a in a range and where that can actually be useful and to your benefit is at these major art fairs. So there are some fairs that you and I as artists would not be able to show our work. The only people who can show work there are galleries that have booths. So like if you wanted to be a part of the, I think like affordable art fair in New York City, you as an independent artist can't do that. You have to have gallery representation and your gallery brings you to that fair. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I guess so for me personally, some of the topics that they cover in here that I've used. So the one, there's one called direct sales and e-commerce, another one called co-ops and art collectives, another headline called online marketplaces. So those are three that I've personally used and benefited from. And I think for me personally, I'm just always been like a do it myself kind of person. Um, before I got into the art world, I had another small business. And so I'm used to marketing and promoting myself. So it doesn't feel that foreign for me to do it. And then I guess the other thing is it comes down to like some role models. So two of my current like crazy art world crushes right now are Ashley Longshore. And then I'm also obsessed with CJ. Um, mm -hmm. If you guys don't know them, go check them out. But again, I can appreciate their artwork. That's one thing. But what I really follow them 
and admire about them is the fact that they've done it their own way. Like neither one of them have gallery representation, never have. And they do it themselves through their own marketing, through their own online. And I understand that's not for everybody, but I think for me, the tools and resources that are available now to be able to do that are just really appealing and have been working for me. So I love that they kind of break that down because if you're like me, if that, if that rings a true to your personality and you don't mind talking about your art and you're willing to make videos and you're willing to reach out to people directly, then these different options could be for you. And I like how they break that down because if maybe you're just new, you're not aware of sort of the opposite of just having to go and get gallery representation. Right. I will, I will say, and this isn't, this isn't being a Debbie Downer. I feel like this is me trying to be the opposite is if you are doing all of those things and you are not finding immediate success, like those big names, like Ashley Longshore, like CJ Henry, um, or I can't remember. Left, anyway. But if you're not finding success like them as quickly as you think, um, just keep going. Remember that a lot of these people do have a lot of resources, I will say. In a quick Google search, you know, it's not as if they're, they're coming, they're bringing themselves up out of the, the muck and the mire. Um, so just like keep at it. Yeah, no, you definitely have to keep at, and I'm not like clearly, I'm not at that level either, right? So, I'm well, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, like, I know, like, okay, maybe, maybe this is offline, but like, I know Ashley Longshore's parents are fucking loaded. She, it's not as if, you know, she was like in art school scraping by and can't, like, her her parents are loaded and her parents' friends are loaded, and that I'm sure helps a lot. Oh. Without a doubt, obviously everybody, you know, is at economic status. So that's going to help. And like CJ Hendry, she was able to spend a year. Like she, she had a lot of stuff that she sold to be able to focus on drawing. And then she spent the year drawing and really promoting herself. And so I'm not saying, you know, that that's the only way, but I am saying that I think more and more artists those were just the two off the top of my head yeah. but more and more artists have more opportunities especially if you don't have resources and especially yeah, like exactly. me, if you live in a tiny town with no really gallery options like what was I going to do like I really yeah. didn't have a gallery even to go to to get representation to get into those fairs like you said so I kind of had no other option and so yeah. and like I say I'm not either one of those people and exactly. it has been and it has been working for me so far so good knock wood and so <laughs> I just like that there's opportunities for people to try that because I think when I was starting in particular I did think okay I better have you know like I'm gonna have to yeah. try to like what galleries am I like googling and how do I reach out to galleries and then I sort of just again I'm not saying I'll never work with a gallery but I kind of just threw that away and thought you know what you're so new. Nobody's going to take you on anyway until you prove yourself. And so I'm just going to try to like prove myself and put my work out there and see what happens. And so, yeah, so that's why I'm yeah. sort of gung ho on like the do it yourself options at the moment. And I think for a lot of people starting out, it might, might be a way to try. I think so too. I think it's a good, I think it's a good path to follow. And I think that it, 
puts the control in your hand whether you like it or not and I think I think that's those are good conditions to grow under yeah all right let's do one of yours we can uh I wanted to kind of talk about the commission section again really lots of good tips but I'm also kind of curious about how you Celine feel about commissions because it is again a little bit different the commission section is kind of 2d centric so for us sculptures or three-dimensional artists or installation artists it can be a little bit more difficult uh to figure out a formula but what do you think about commissions Mm -hmm. so commissions are interesting um because when i did so when i didn't pursue art when i was younger my biggest fear was that i was gonna have to do commissions of like family portraits or pet <laughs> portraits or and again no shade if that's what you want to do i didn't want to do that and so um i was kind of always scared of commissions because i i just didn't i don't know i just really wanted to make what i wanted to make and when you do commissions in theory you kind of let somebody else dictate a little bit what you're gonna do so I was kind of like "Eh, commissions then what happened um is a couple of people started reaching out to me to ask me if I would do commissions and so in actually in the book one of the things that they highlight is it's okay to say no and so that is kind of what happened I had some people where I paint the figure and clothes they would reach out and say would you paint my daughter at her second birthday in her tutu and Mm-hmm. That and they would send me like a super blurry ass iPhone photo from like ten thousand miles away where I couldn't see any of the I, like really it was just not usable information for me to create from where I really focused in on so many details I need a better reference than that and anyway it wasn't what I wanted to do so I said no I said no yeah. to quite a few and um I think they unfollowed me and you know that was fine <laughs> but. Yeah, so so I think you have to be fully thinking about and comfortable with what you're willing to and not do, okay? So that's the first thing I would say. The second thing is since then, now I have, actually I've completed one commission for Ashley Longshore. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> oh my God, so funny. So, but the thing is, um, because she's an artist, And because she was familiar with my work and I think fully understood what it was that I'm doing, we, she, she wanted me to paint something that was similar to another painting I had already done, but not the same. Right. So it was in the same keepings of, of what I had already created. So that was easy for me because I knew it was, it was her, it was her hands and her jewelry. Um, I haven't, posted the finished piece online yet because she doesn't have it yet but I'll share that when when it's dry and chipped and all that good stuff but um yeah so I was happy with that and given that she's an artist she sent me a photo and it was top quality and you know like I had everything that and I asked her too I'm like but do you like do you want a certain color included or do you want certain she's like whatever here's the photo you do you so I like cropped it and flipped it and moved some rings around and like I just did whatever I wanted and so that's my kind of commission (laughs) yeah yeah a general idea a general theme but ultimately it's my creative control and then the second one I'm still currently working on and it was the same thing so now actually it's 
a man this time. And it's the first man that I'm painting. So that was cool because that's what he wanted, right? Like I had always painted women. I wasn't opposed to painting men, but I just didn't, I don't know. It just wasn't something that I had done. And so he and I just really discussed options and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And went back and forth and sent some images and ideas that I had had. And same thing. He's kind of like, yep, I love what you put together there. You do that. So I guess for me, when it comes to commission, I still want like 90% of the creative control. And if I don't have that, then I'm saying no. Yeah. um, I think that that is really important. Like in the glass world, you know, I've done a couple of residencies now and, uh, you know, I was teaching at a studio for a long time and you would have people come in. A lot of people like who want you to do repairs, a lot of people who want you to like recreate something. They, they don't understand that the, the object that they're bringing in is maybe like a pressed glass object, not a blown glass object. So they would like you to make another one. And it's like, this is not what we do here Um, and then oftentimes I also find that when you take on commissions um, they can get away from you really quickly Um, like the cost can add up really quickly and before you know it you're actually losing money on a project yeah Um, and that sucks and that's a really hard lesson to learn Um, I did that commission back in the spring, which feels like a million years ago, uh, to basically like make the work that I make, but make it, um, like an award, like have it be a tabletop. Um, and And I was happy. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I forgot about them until we just started talking about this, but like, I, I was happy to do that because I wanted to, I have been wanting to push myself to explore tabletop sculpture anyway um I needed the money it was something that I already did it was just like an adaptation of something that I already did um and I was really excited to work with the organization uh was it as much money as I should have charged for it no but at the same time I was able to accept their lower offer because I had a lot of the materials and supplies already. So I was kind of able to cobble together that commission, um, do something that I wanted, get those awards into the hands and homes of like high-end real estate agents. Um, So for me, that was like, yeah, absolutely, I'll do it. Um, But I think you have to kind of set a day rate for yourself. So whatever amount of money you're going to pay yourself per hour like you have to set a day rate for yourself and think like okay well if I pay myself $50 an hour I work a 10 hour day that's $500 there's nothing that you can basically do in a day like if you're lucky if it's something in your wheelhouse of course you can probably get it done but like typically if it's a brand new thing or if it's a really custom thing there's no way that you can do it in less than a day. So baseline for commissions, you're looking at $500 and often people aren't willing to spend that much. Um, So you just have to be like, all right, well, thanks anyway. (laughs) Bye. Yeah. So that's an interesting point too, because I think one of the things I talk about in the book as well is like charging a premium price for commissions. And that's a good thing to keep in mind because in your case, 
you know, there's materials. And so God forbid they change their mind or change whatever. And I've, I've heard of that happening. Like somebody saying, Oh, it was going to be one figure. Well, can you actually add the second figure or whatever? Right. Like, but they don't understand that that's more time or maybe just starting over. Like, I don't know. So yeah. Get the cash up front. Yeah. So <laughs> get that's, a deposit. What, that's what I would say is thankfully it's been a few years before I really had this commission opportunity. And so I've had enough time to do my research. It's like a common theme. I'm, I'm always looking for information from people who have done it before me. And I had a contract pieced together from so many other contracts from other artists that I found that made me, again, made me feel comfortable, made me feel protected, like covering yeah. some of those things, like, how many changes are going to be allowed? Will I share the work with you in progress or not? Like some people are not comfortable doing that because, you know, there's like that messy middle stage. And so God yeah. forbid you show the the person who hired you for the commission and they're like, oh my God, that's a disaster. And then they back out or whatever. And that, you know, like the deposit is non-refundable and blah, 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 blah. Like, I think you really need, if you're going to start taking commissions and especially if they're at a higher price point, like if you're doing a commission for a hundred dollars and it's going to take you one hour, okay, maybe you don't have to be so serious. But for me, it's thousands of dollars and like a month of work. And supplies, supplies, and supplies. like specific, specific colors, like and you can't search and planning. Yeah. Like there's so much that's not actually creating the work involved. Like even that back and forth communication to narrow yeah. down. What took me like not all day every day but it took you know a few days before we finally agreed on anything and so um in terms of premium and again everybody can do something different so i personally add 20 percent to whatever my so at this point back to our first topic of pricing i do kind of have like a price range associated with the typical sizes that i paint and so therefore with a commission i would add 20 percent to whatever size the person chose. Mm -hmm. um, and that, and then again, those caveats. And actually, so like this contract I put together, I was thinking, you guys listening, like I've done a lot of this work. Like if that's something that you'd be interested in me sharing, I'd be, you know, sort of, I'd consider doing that. So if anybody wants help with these sorts of things, let me know, because maybe that's something that we can put together some resources to share with people or give them some a more detailed outline. So yeah, I think just making sure that you consider your effort, your time, your material, blah, 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 all of the things before you're just so happy to accept a commission because it might not, it might make you more miserable than the initial happiness of somebody wanting to buy your work. Yeah. Cool. Anything else? Nope. Let's keep going. Okay. We're back to me. Okay. So it's not luck on page 239. So actually, I'm going to read you, that's what we wrote in the notes, but let me just get to that page because it's not luck is, that's fine. But I like the, the whole title, which is, or I like the second part. So it says, it's not luck and other reasons why creatives need to be more vocal about their accomplishments. So yes. that, that's the part that really, cause I do, you know what, sometimes it's not luck and sometimes there's luck. Like I feel this year that yes, I've been working my ass off, but there's also been like weird, magical, lucky things that have just happened. So yeah. So why I chose this one, because is for that the importance of vocalizing your success. And why I think a lot of us, and I'm going to stereotype and say, probably a lot of women 
have a hard time like tooting our own horn and mm-hmm. sharing that we're what we're doing and how we're doing it and and when things go well because we feel like it's too braggy and too in your face and I I just like this section because they sort of give us permission to be like the reason you're there's a reason why you're doing it you're not doing it to be braggy like there's social proof right like sometimes if people are investing in your work again if it's you know of a certain price point other people like to see that oh other people are purchasing that work and and it gives a new buyer like some confidence and also showing up and showing that you're you're committed to this also gives like you know that it's not just a passing hobby and maybe some of you listening are hobby doing it as a hobby and you're not trying to make money but what we're talking about right now is like the business the business of art right so if you're trying to do it because you love it but also as a business then I think showing proof that you're consistent you're showing up you're gaining awards you're gaining residencies you've got buyers like I think that really it's not about bragging but it's a business marketing tool yeah and it's about like engaging your community like you I know people who have made sales and the the person who bought their art has been like yeah I've been watching your career for like the last five years Um, because a lot of art buyers want to know that you're in it for the long haul for a lot of them purchasing art is an investment and if you're not going to make a name for yourself or carve out a niche then it's not worth their investment yes absolutely and actually one line that I highlighted to your point exactly is it says a prospective buyer isn't just investing in a piece of art they're also putting their money into supporting you in your career right like they're buying a piece of you really like when we're making art it's a piece of us so yeah What I liked about this chapter as well is um, the whole it's not luck thing. I, again, like, I think it's really important in the art world, especially if you get trapped into the comparison game, is to, like, look at your privilege, look at the privileges of the artists that you're maybe comparing yourself to. And what I liked about this chapter is it's more about stepping into your talent and stepping into your accomplishments versus just like not acknowledging all of the privileges that got you there. So it doesn't even, it doesn't even kind of address that. It's about if like, if you succeed, if you have a win, if you're feeling good, you need to own it and you need to celebrate it and you need to share it because at the end of the day, like the people who are following you and the people who are really supporting you, God, what a magical, (laughs) what a magical thing to have people just believe in your art. And like, just when you win there, it's a win for them just because they, they love and support you so much. Yeah. That's so nice. I love that. And, um, not, not, not related to that actually, but another one that they point out in here is a misconception that just by working hard, you know, like keeping your head down and just doing the work that that's um, that then magically all of a sudden, like everybody will recognize that how hard you're working. Like people are so focused on their own hard work and their own family stuff and their own lives that, you know, they might not really notice if you're just in your studio working away, which is why sharing 
what you're doing, what you're achieving, what's going well. And also sometimes what's not like that's been successful <laughs> successful <laughs> for me too. People love it when I fail. I'm like, boom, not accepted. They're like, yeah, no, they're not happy that I didn't, that I didn't get accepted. Misery loves company, baby. But they love seeing that everybody gets, you know, knows and everybody. And so it's, it's just fun to, I think it's fun to connect with people. And so by being authentic and celebrating when you're, you know, having good things happen, but also sharing when maybe things are not so great, it just makes you feel more human, more relatable. And I think that that's, that that's worth sharing and, and just, yeah, like, I don't know, just doing the work without sharing it is not, as effective as putting yourself out there and trying to be brave by doing it because I know it's not natural feeling sometimes yeah and I think that it's it comes down to that vulnerability as well like making making yourself vulnerable because in whether you're whether you're sharing your successes or you're sharing that maybe you need some help um that vulnerability is really powerful. And like a lot of the times, like, I mean, I've been, I've been at this for a while and the amount of times where I have an opportunity that lands at my feet and like, I can't afford to do it on my own. So I not only have to take up space and claim space for myself to celebrate that I got an opportunity. I also have to, tell the world that I need help um I it's it's happened a lot and every single time every single time you know there are people who 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 have supported me for a while or people who kind of come out of the woodwork to like let me know that they believe in me and they support what I'm doing um and like (laughs) every time I want to just like I want my heart is just like exploding and I want to die. Cause I'm like, I can't ever repay you people. <laughs> oh, but I don't think people, you know, what is so nice about that is that I think people genuinely like to help, especially yeah. if you're, you know, chasing your dreams and goals and you're doing the work. Like if they didn't know that you were so deeply invested and working so hard because you were just keeping it to yourself, they wouldn't be so quick to say, oh my God, like, I'm going to help you, you know? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you're right. It's another, it's another way that you can let people help you sometimes because if they don't know what's going on, there's no way they can. Yep, exactly. Cool. All right. Back okay, down so this is list. yes, this is my last one. Um, okay. and the the section is I think it's page two twenty six. Two, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's starting over. And I think that you and I both have a lot of experience with starting over, but I feel like in different ways. So, what did you think about this section? Yeah, I thought it was an interesting one that you chose that because I I, like I want you to talk more about how you relate to starting like I know I switched careers entirely but I want to know like how you how the starting over relates to you yeah so I feel like so for my for like my little my little my little life my little career um 
I haven't, there, it's, it's not been a direct path at all. So I, you know, I started college. I went to school for glass blowing. That was a 14 week program. I, I fell in love with it. It's what I wanted to do. And then I had to take like a full year off. So I was immersed in this world. I found what I wanted to do. I found my path. And then I just had to stop um, and start my old life over again. And then also wait until I could start my new glass life over again. And from there, you know, I went to Sheridan College. I got my, my diploma, all of that stuff. And then it had to stop again. Um, and I was out of the game again for, you know, maybe nine months or a year. And then I went out West and that was like a total failure. I don't talk about it a lot because it was like such a fucking brutal experience. Um, and I had to stop again. And so what I thought was really interesting about this chapter was Kat mentions that like, there wasn't like epiphanies. There wasn't like, wasn't like, Oh wow. I finally, I finally get it. It was like, you go and you do things and you like learn from them. You gain experience from them. You, you make friends, all of those things, but there's, there's not like this like movie aha moment. It's like, wherever you go, there you are. You know, you can't just move across the country and solve all of your problems to like start over yeah, yeah, I just I just thought I just thought it was interesting. And yeah, I feel like I've been on the same track for a long time, but I I have to I've had to start and stop so many times and I've had to like overhaul my entire life so many times just to get to where I am right now. Um that I think it's I think it's important to just like make note of the fact that your path and your career and your dreams aren't always going to be linear and sometimes you have to just like start from the beginning again a million times yeah totally and so they talk about that like the whole big picture stuff yeah and so for me like life if somebody told me at 19 or whatever this is what would happen I wouldn't believe them right because I started over something didn't didn't go well then I had to rejig and try something new and it was okay but it wasn't the right thing blah 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 so yeah I totally relate to that whole process of just just starting and actually it's so funny because it took me forever to actually finally start making art even though it's honestly what I've always always wanted to do um but that whole so many different reasons and fears held me back and so finally when I did start again I didn't start just making big oil paintings and had never even used oil before. Like I had to get myself to start and I was doing research and I was like experimenting with different things and just trying to figure out what I liked again, because I was starting, even though, you know, I had made a lot of art in my younger years, it had been over 20 years. So they do talk a little bit about that specifically too, like with your artwork. So if you're starting new works and maybe you're going to be doing sketching or going to museums and things like that. Like, yeah, they're just, they sort of run the gamut from big life changes to more specifically, like what if a series you make flops, like how do you start over with a new series or whatever? Like, yeah, I think they, they do a good job 
at breaking that down. And one of the big quotes that they have in that section is failing at something does not make you a failure. Facts. Facts, right? I just think yeah. I love that they made that bold <laughs> standing out in this <laughs> section because I think we all fail. And so you have no choice. You need to start over. Failing is the fastest way to learn. That's what they say. Yeah. Yep. I learned so much more from having to dig myself out of a failure than just like, oh, cool. I did that. Great. I know how to do that now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely a big part of life. So biggest takeaways. What do you think? Would you recommend this book? Yeah, I definitely would recommend this book, especially if you're really just starting to think about your art um, in more of like a business um, than just something you enjoy doing because they cover like like we said there's so many topics and they do have a great table of content so it's almost like a little encyclopedia like if you just want some knowledge on one specific thing you don't actually have to read this cover to cover if you don't want to you can go right to the area that's most concerning at that moment and I think that's yeah. really really helpful because like I said, I spend and still do spend a lot of time trying to learn and educate myself. And so any tools and resources like this book that I can have in my, in my, um, at my fingertips, I just think is so, so helpful. The only thing I will say about it is because they cover so many topics, I wouldn't say so many topics. I wouldn't say that, you know, there's a deep, deep dive on any one specific topic, but I think it gets the wheels turning and then if you need more or want more you can go further from there but at least it gives you like a quick quick few things to think about quick way to answer some questions quickly you know yeah what about you would you recommend it so yeah I would definitely recommend this book when you brought it up because I feel like I heard about it from you um I think maybe my first impulse is like, well, I already know all of this stuff. Like, and a lot of it for me, a lot of it is repetitive and a lot of it is stuff that I already know. However, that doesn't make it any less valuable. And sometimes I feel like even if you know something, it's good to see it like written down or hear it from somebody that you respect. Um, Cause it can be like, kind of like an affirmation, like you're on the right path, you're doing the right things. You have the information. Um, so like you're, you're doing it, you're doing it well. And I would definitely recommend it to emerging artists because like you said, it's not um, a super deep dive on every single topic, but it is kind of like a good reference guide, a good reference manual. And it can help you to kind of like find the language and concepts you need to do a little bit deeper research if you want to go further with it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Good. Okay, Good. so go, go check it out. You guys can get it on Amazon. They have it as an ebook. They have it as a hard copy. I started with the ebook and then I decided, no, I'm going to buy the hard copy because I can highlight it and mark pages and write myself some notes and just have it, like I said, at my fingertips ready to break open to the page whenever I need to have, have reference to something. So go check it out. The Complete Smartest Guide by Katerina Popova and Alicia Puig. Super cool, super cool, super cool. What's your super cool this week, Celine? So my super cool is well related to our sort of topic of learning. Basically, like that's why we read books is learning. And it's one of the things that I love to do, which is 
books and podcasts and all kinds of stuff. So what I'm going to share with you guys is a tool that I recently started using for learning, which is Masterclass. I'm sure you guys have seen the ads. I'm not sponsored or anything. I just like it. Um, I wish you were. I know, right? That'd be good. Um, Yeah. So I am always looking for tools and things that are user-friendly. And I always want to hear from artists in particular. And so I think the ad popped up and it was Jeff Koons. And I know a lot of people have some very strong feelings about him. But I didn't know a lot about him. And so I just thought, huh, well, let me see for myself. So anyway, I decided to sign up and it's kind of pricey. Like it's a couple hundred dollars. However, you know, it's a business tool. So that's going to be part of my tax return. And um, also it, uh, it has like, you're not just paying for the one course with one person, which is what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. When you sign up, you have access to all of the classes and so then I was like oh okay I really then it seems like it's more worthwhile to me um and so I've already done a whole bunch so I I did the Jeff Koons one which is very interesting to me I really liked um hearing about his philosophies on a lot of like using objects from the everyday and then he talks a lot about industry and how actually it made me think of you a little bit how um like you design your mounts and somebody else actually laser cuts the mouse for you but then you you know what I mean like yeah you know what I mean so that there's a, a bit of a collaborative um collaboration to some of the work that you make and so looking at that and anyway so that was really good but then there was Anna Wintour, who has been the editor of Vogue, if most of you know. So she has one. And then Diane von Furstenberg, who is a uh, fashion designer. She designed the iconic, like, wrap dress. Mm-hmm. And then I also did one with Elaine Welt- Weltroth. I think that's how I say her name. She was a journalist, and then she became, like, the editor of Teen Vogue, and now she's an author. Anyway, I actually really loved hers. And so she talks about sort of like well kind of what we talked a little bit in today's episode like just being there and representing yourself and putting your best foot forward and how to do that and so more like business side of stuff anyway I just really liked it I thought it was they did a good job in the way that they created it it's not too much they break it down into chunks and I I I found it very encouraging and helpful I wish they had more artists like mm-hmm. like specific artists artists because they have like the heading of art and so there's some like there was one another one I started with a set designer I can't remember her name so some in the creative arts world but I would like really some like very specific ones with artists um so we'll see if they keep adding them but there's also one like my obviously I'm gonna let my kids use my subscription and they there's like Misty Copeland, who's a ballerina, my daughter's ballerina. And then there's like a Steph Curry one, who's not my son's favorite basketball player. But nonetheless, I'm like, look, (laughs) learn from everybody, you know? So yeah, I just think if you're interested in learning and having it in a format that's easy to use, not like random YouTube videos, that's sort of well thought out, well put together, everything's really well done, um, that that might be something that people would be interested in checking out. So there you go. That's my super cool. How about you? What's yours? 
See, I feel like again, I'm back. I'm back in like my struggle bus mode for super cools because I'm just like in a blur right now. So I'm like, is this a super cool thing? Should I talk about like how I figured out how to use TikTok finally? No, that's um, so. What I settled on is I maybe just want to share um, what I found out about like patron support programs. So I feel like everybody's heard of Patreon, right? Yep. That's kind of like, yeah, that's kind of like the big one. Um, And moving into this residency, I decided that maybe it would be a good idea to, you know, uh, give people an avenue to financially support me to donate. Um, It's something that I've been thinking about for a while. Um, So I started doing research on that. And I found another platform called Coffee, so it's like K-O-F-I, and in my brain I say it Ko-Fi all the time, and I'm like, that's not it. Don't do not do that. That's not it. Um, <laughs> but I think that it's a really interesting thing to share with people because there's a lot more flexibility and freedom on their platform than there is with Patreon. Um, yeah. with, with Coffee, you can, people can give you one-off donations. Um, you can set fundraising goals for specific things. You can also set up membership levels and tiers. Um, and then they have also like all kinds of different things. So like if you want to do merch, blah, 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 blah. So it's all there. And the most interesting part about it for me is that they don't actually charge any fees. So if you just have a regular membership, they don't charge any fees. All of your money, all of your donations goes directly um, into your PayPal account. And PayPal does charge a bit of a fee. I think it's like 3%. But that's the only fee that you're going to get from it. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Yeah. And so what I wanted to do, something that was important to me, is I wanted to have different tiers of membership. I'm kind of playing around with uh the different kind of perks that I want to offer but I wanted to be able to have a membership tier that started at a dollar amount but could be flexible so if you wanted I think so what I'm calling it is like my gold star layaway tier and I kind of came up with this idea for people where it would be if you're on this like limited number tier rewards tier um you donate to me monthly, and then after 12 months, uh, you can request a, a voucher, like a, a one-of-a-kind, one-time-use voucher for my website um, that would like allow you to make a purchase with the money that you've been supporting me with minus like a processing fee. So it's kind of like a layaway program. Um, so I wanted that, I wanted people to be able to donate as little as $10 a month, but maybe you want to donate maybe like you want a new piece by the end of the year so like your goal is to kind of instead of saving up on your own you're giving that money to me directly and you're donating like 150 dollars a month um so i thought that was like kind of a neat and interesting idea and a way for people to to choose and decide how they wanted to support me whether they wanted to support me just like out of the kindness of their hearts or if they wanted to support me um, by buying work but couldn't necessarily do it all in one chunk. And coffee allows me that freedom, allows me to offer that freedom to people, whereas Patreon did not. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I know about Patreon. I don't know about coffee. And the thing about Patreon that I always 
sort of baffles me a little bit when I've specifically with artists that I see artists is like how they send people rewards and this and that. And I'm like, I just haven't been able to wrap my head around like, what could I offer people that would make them want to sign up? Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, I think what you're, what you're experimenting and thinking about is interesting. Yeah. And I think that one of my dear friends who is just like so much better at like being in her body and like vibing, she's just like, I think that, I think that idea is great, but I also think you don't have to offer anything for people to want to just support you. You can just give well, people the option to support you. That's kind of, that, you know what? I love that because that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I feel like I would, I personally would do that. Like there's sometimes I can just recognize somebody who's working hard and making cool stuff, but I either a wouldn't necessarily want to own it, but I yep. still want to support them or whatever. So yeah, like I've seen other people actually, and I wonder if it's this one you're talking about is they say like, buy me a coffee. Yeah. So is yeah. that the one that just, oh, okay. So it's just yeah. like, as if you were going to, the idea, I guess, is like, you're going to take them out for a coffee, but instead you're just giving them the five bucks and then they can use that for whatever they want to use that for. Yeah, exactly. And so like, I launched yeah. it on my Instagram the other day, just like kind of a soft launch, just being like, this is something that I'm working on figuring out. But if you want to check it out, here we go. Um, and yeah, like I, I got one, one subscriber to my layaway plan. And then my other tier is just like, thank you for being a friend. And it's like a minimum donation of $2 a month. And I got a subscriber for that. And then I also got somebody who like a friend from high school who like, obviously we haven't been able to connect in a long time who just like sent me some cash that way. And they're like, thank you so much for doing this because I want to support your art. I just like, don't know how, and this is like the yeah. perfect way to do it. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, thank you. Uh. That's cool. Okay. Interesting. I love that. I'm going to have to go check it out some more. Yeah. So that's my super cool. Check it out. No fees except for the ones from PayPal, but they do they do their own thing. Um, and yeah, it gives people the opportunity to just give you those those one off those one off donations, those one off shows of support. Yeah, because I know sometimes you see online um, those things going around, like um, how they can't somebody doesn't want to or can't afford to either either way buy your work but they want to support you and so it's like free love is like liking a comment posting a com or, or liking yeah. a post or commenting on a post or sharing it with their friends like those are all free ways to support artists right like sharing this podcast with your friends <laughs> hint, hint, what hint. a great job of support what a great idea um yeah like those are ways to support but sometimes that's i mean that's fabulous but like you say like if you could buy someone a coffee or sign up for a two dollars a month i support you membership it probably the person wouldn't notice but they would feel really good about supporting you and you know you get a number of those that actually will help you buy supplies and do whatever you're going to do with your you know to grow your practice so i think that's lovely i, li I like that yeah you'll have to keep us posted on how it goes i will i will okay all right well that's it for today guys enjoyed the podcast found it helpful found some little nuggets that you can use please feel free to share with all of your friends post it on your socials send us a comment or even 
send us a voice message. We keep begging you guys for voice messages every week because we want to include you and your two cents in the podcast. That's why we keep begging. Yes, please. Yes, please. Anyway, the point is you just need to go um, to anchor.fm backslash all one word art okay cool and it lets you record a one minute message if you're gonna do it which we hope you do please start your message with like your name and your instagram so that we can like make sure we give you a little shout out in the podcast um and just tell us anything like what you thought about what we talked about or even something we should talk about in the future or just any general thoughts on art and life we're we're interested okay so do that and then in the meantime um we can be found on instagram at art okay cool and what about you jade where can they find you specifically you can find me at color worship on instagram and also on my website jgsackis.com and also on coffee uh ko-fi.com slash color worship oh yeah tie that in (laughs) what about you celine where can people find you so I'm on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook at Celine Gabrielle Art, and my website is CelineGabrielleArt.com. So that's it. Make sure you guys go and write a review of the podcast and tell your friends and then come back, subscribe, and come back next week where we will have lots of more good stuff for you to listen to. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye.